all, welcome to the latest episode of NSPE Speaks, the only podcast produced especially for professional engineers by the National Society of Professional Engineers. And this is not only our latest episode, but it's also our first episode of 2017. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. <laughs> like Frosty the Snowman? Uh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. About everybody watched that? Uh, yes. <laughs> Lots of times. That's a favorite. I'm your host, Eva Kaplan-Lenserson. I'm the NSPE Senior Staff Writer and Content Editor. I'm glad to be back with you all, and I'm joined by the rest of our great podcasting team. Yes, we made it through the year, and this is Associate Editor, Danielle Boykin. This is Senior Manager of Public Relations and Outreach, Stacey Ober. And this is your Frosty Staff Writer, Matthew McLaughlin. Okay, so it's January. We thought it was a good time for a resolutions theme when we're thinking about possible themes for this podcast. People tend to make resolutions in January. I'm no exception. Of course, there's the usual eat healthier, exercise more, stay on budget. Those are all good ones. And then there's work-related ones. For me, I was thinking um, I work for a professional association and have for a long time, but I don't actually participate with professional associations that are in my field, such as writing ones, editing ones. So that's that's a professional resolution for me. So does anyone else here want to share anything they've been thinking about, professional or otherwise resolution-related? I have one. It's sort of counterintuitive, but it's... Um, you know, I, I do our podcast here and social media for NSPE and, you know, things like that. But one of my, I don't really make a whole lot of resolutions, but one of my thoughts for the next year is to actually unplug a little bit more. Um, it's always a good one. Like when I get home and on the weekends and stuff and not be so wrapped up in social media and my my wonderful trustee never leaves my side iPhone. That's so. on my list too, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at making resolutions. I figured if you don't make resolutions, you can't break them. That's but, a very good point. <laughs> however, on the professional side, I wouldn't mind making sure that I concentrate on getting some interesting and uh, new types of engineering that you know focus on some fun things that our members are doing. For instance... I wrote about engineers that work on sports facilities. And yeah, that was that's a really cool, cool and interesting. And I know there are other members out there that are doing some really cool things. And so I need to find them and feature them. Hint, hint. Yeah, hint. If, you've got, so, if you've got ideas, send them to Danielle. What's your email address? Again, uh, it is dboykin at nspe.org. That's D-B-O-Y-K-I-N at nspe.org. Well, cool. That's one so, way to get story ideas, yes. I guess. Yeah. If you can help Danielle out with her resolution, uh, yes. send, send your ideas her way. And if you have extras, you know, send them our way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a group effort. Danielle yeah. gets to write about the ethic stuff. So, yes, you know, I need a break from the legislative. Yeah, <laughs> she, could, she could use some fun so, ideas. My resolution is to have time for things like resolutions. There you go. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yes. a good one. That's a good one. Perhaps too. if you take my resolution and unplug more. <laughs> that would be one way to do it. There you go. All right. Well, we did a feature, or Danielle wrote a feature last year on resolutions, um, talking to some PEs and others. Danielle, you want to talk a little bit about that and what were some of the things that people brought up? I think there were resolutions both individually and kind of for the engineering profession. Yeah, in general. It was actually, it was in our January, February 2016 issue. And and so we had some people like Cody Jean Verhollen, our NSP president. Um, she gave some resolutions on continuing education that she wanted to be focused on always getting that professional development in and honing her skills you know, just going beyond maybe those continuing education 
requirements that uh, PEs have uh, to handle. Then there was a member that wanted to sort of strengthen the E in STEM. Him and his wife work on STEM outreach for uh, education for teachers and trying to get them better equipped to teach engineering in, in the classroom. Uh, and then there was uh, a PE who is uh, the head of a firm who was focused on recruiting and retaining talent and mm-hmm. making sure that his young engineers um, are getting the leadership training they need and just um, making sure that you get good people. But one of the, the better things that I had sort of to help people with their resolutions that they need one, one of our members, Austin Lynn, um, had a good list of seven ways to kind of make your mark. Said it for 2016, but this is a list that can go on for, you know, 2017, 2018. So he gives good tips on how to shine at work, using your business skills and expertise to make you more successful in the workplace. Spreading the word is one of the ways to make your mark in 2017, and that means spreading the news about NSPE and the value that uh, the organization brings for PEs. And then uh, you can just um, do things like build your own career, but as you do that, pull other people up. And so he's given some good tips on on how to do that. So I will definitely make that uh, list available so people can take a look and see what they can do for 2017. Great. And we'll have that link in the show notes. Um, And also check out our January-February 2017 cover feature, which is Power Up Your Professionalism, about uh, ways to work on your professional practice uh, skills throughout the stages of the of a PE's career from young engineer, mid-career engineer, and later career engineer. Things like uh, leadership, communication skills, ethical responsibility, public policy and engineering, and more. So that'll be also in the show notes, and you can check it out in the January-February magazine. We'd love to hear your ideas, so send us emails at podcasts at nspe.org, or you can post in our open forum on community.nspe.org uh, what resolutions you have either for yourself individually um, as a professional, as a PE, or for the engineering profession overall, things that you think the engineering profession should focus on in uh, 2017. And finally, um, we had NSPE President uh, Cody Verhallen, PE Esquire FNSPE, i got to get all her designations in there, <laughs> talk about what NSPE was going to be focusing on for the coming year after she was uh, sworn in this summer. And Stacy interviewed her. We'll post that link as well for that bonus podcast to remind you about that. And you can check that out and hear what uh, NSP will be focusing on. So lots of good ways to think about resolutions for 2017. So no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now we turn to Danielle, who's going to tell us about some news that we can use. Yep. NSPE stays committed to championing the PE, and at the end of the year, there were quite a few things that they put out to to capitalize on some success that we've had in advocacy for the year. The Environmental Protection Agency has emphasized the key role of PEs in hazardous waste management, and yet another victory, again, for PEs and the public health, safety, and welfare. And, And the EPA's final version of their hazardous waste generator improvements rule, a PE is required to certify that a containment building for hazardous waste complies with specified design standards. 
the rules are just several that were made in order to uh, make the regulations user-friendly and also to address safety issues as well. And so that, again, is building on the success of NSPE to make sure that um, more federal agencies are aware of a key role that professional engineers should play in engineering projects across the country. There's some, also some other good things that were done um, at the closing of the year, 2016. NSPE offers some tools that are, are really good for the profession. For instance, there's a new report that came out that provides a comprehensive look at how states define the practice of engineering. It's actually a searchable state listing that you can find on the NSP website. You know, the public does place a lot of trust in PEs when using uh, facilities, processes, and systems that are designed by them. But, you, you know, you have a lot of people that don't really understand, you know, the definition of the practice of engineering, and that includes policymakers as well. And so this is a tool that our members can use to sort of educate those legislators and regulators who aren't quite sure about the definitions, especially since we've had some turnover in state uh, legislatures um, after the election. And this kind of goes hand in hand with a qualifications-based selection legislation map that was introduced, which gives state-by-state details on legislation that addresses uh, qualification-based selection. So you have some states like California, Illinois, Kansas, and New York dealing with some issues. And so you can go on that map and you'll see the map highlighted in the states where legislation is currently addressing QBS. Those sound like really great resources for our members, and they're free, right? So yes. So that's a free, great price for this. <laughs> yeah. Go free, go on the great site. Great benefit for members and great price. <laughs> yep, and there's just also a, a little news on the state side. We always want to recognize our state societies when they're, again, taking on what we've taken on the national level, championing the PE, uh, since licensure is a state-centric uh, issue. For instance, uh, Virginia PEs are currently opposing additional licenses for home inspections for engineers. They're seeking legislation to reverse a new regulation that would require PEs to obtain an additional license to perform home inspections. Currently, Virginia home inspectors must be certified, but PEs are exempt from that requirement. But legislation passed in March took that away, and that law goes into effect in July of this year, but VSP is working with a member of the Virginia General Assembly to introduce a bill that would reinstate the exemption for PEs. So they're being proactive um, on that, and, and that's one of their focuses. And last but not least, in Vermont, they are getting closer to mandatory continuing education requirements for PEs. The Vermont Licensure Board is implementing a professional competency requirement of 30 professional development hours for license renewal, and that's on a biennial basis. And the Vermont Society of Professional Engineers is supporting the enactment of continuing education. And just like NSPE, they definitely support uh, mandatory continuing education for licensed engineers in order to you know stay on top of those skills they need. But uh, in addition with that, we definitely push for comedy just because we have so many PEs with licenses in multiple states, so we want to make sure that there is some ability to do that with ease. Great. Thanks, Danielle, and uh, thanks for all that great information and sharing the proactive uh, actions our state societies are taking. We always like to hear about that, and we'll continue to share those as we hear about them.
In 2017, we're not only celebrating the new year, but we're also going to be celebrating a special anniversary coming up with um, an organization that is near and dear to NSPE. So, Matt, tell us about that. Discover E is celebrating 25 years of Future City uh, at this year's national finals for the competition on February 21st during Engineers Week. For those unfamiliar with the competition, it's an educational program for middle school students that focuses on engineering. Teams imagine, research, design, and build cities, future cities. Uh, (laughs) Hence the name. (laughs) Yes, hence the name. That showcase a solution to a citywide sustainability issue, um, such as waste disposal, things like that. They are work with a teacher and an engineer mentor, uh, and then they present their solutions via SimCity, the video game, and actual models, uh, an essay, and a presentation to judges. Special ceremony is set to mark the anniversary this year, although the details are still being worked out. But Discovery has begun marking the occasion with a social media campaign, highlighting mentors, teachers, and past participants, uh, such as Anna Gunn-Golkin, uh, was I think their most recent on social media. She participated in 1996, and now as an adult, she's a flight test engineer with the Air Force, which That's is really cool. Pretty yeah. cool. So this year, Discovery also plans to stream the competition for the first time ever. So regardless of where you are, yeah, you can watch what's happening at the national. Really, if you have never been to a a regional final or even the national finals, it's it's pretty amazing what these kids come up with and the models that they build and the presentations they give. And so that's awesome. I didn't know they were streaming. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's Future City, and of course Future City takes place during Engineers Week, which is coming up February 19th through 25th, and that too is going to be a big event for Discovery this year, thanks to a partnership with the new film Dream Big, Engineering Our World. Not only is Dream Big being adopted as the theme for Engineers Week this year, but the film is set to open on close to 40 screens across the country during Engineers Week. Discovery will also be organizing outreach campaigns and events, at the science centers and museums that are screening the film. Uh, one of those events is actually Girls' Night Out, which combines film screenings with face-to-face time with local female engineers and engineering students and hands-on activities. That sounds like a lot of fun. I wish my daughter was old enough to go to that. Yeah, it should be pretty cool. And there are other events that aren't just for girls, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, and there are more than 65 Dream Big activities available for volunteers to engage with the students at these events. They are available on the Discovery Dream Big website, which we'll include here in the show notes. And you can also find there the showtimes and the locations of all the screenings that are going to be taking place. And if you're looking for other ways to engage during Engineers Week, um, there's no shortage of of other happenings, one of which is the uh, Discover Engineering Family Day that NSPE always participates in every year. Um, It is sort of a localized event. It's up here at the National Building Museum in downtown D.C., and uh, NSPE, as well as a bunch of other organizations, including our D.C. Society, put on hands-on activities for kids to come in and learn about engineering and we always do a catapult activity, so we've got kids doing catapults, ping pong balls flying all over the yes. place. Um, That's a blast. Yes, it's organized chaos, but it's <laughs> the kids are having a blast, so it's definitely a, a good event. So if you're in the area and are interested, we will be sending out an email about uh, volunteer opportunities for that. And I also wanted to quickly um, mention that 
Discover E is having a webinar on Wednesday, January 25th at noon, and that is um, for volunteers who are interested in getting some tips and ideas on ways to engage students, how to talk to students about engineering, uh, what are some of the resources Discover E has available for you. Um, so you can actually just go to discoverE.org, the website will put the link uh, directly to the registration in the show notes, but that's a really good webinar uh, to listen in and get some ideas for or Ubik this year. So if you're hesitating to volunteer this year because you're not sure about these kids and their <laughs> ways, then you could, that's a good way to start. Yeah, and I also forgot to mention, though, um, Discover E also offers Engineers Week and Girl Day volunteer kits, and they are for free on their website. So you can go on, and it'll have things like posters and handouts and things like that. So it's sort of a built-in kit for you to take to an outreach event or into a school, you know, in your local community, and they make it really easy for you to to get in there and talk about engineering. So, Excellent. Yeah, it seems like uh, a lot of companies are, are doing more organized outreach, too, during e-week. So we'd love to hear if you go on communities and the open forum, maybe start a thread, post, maybe give some advice on things that you've done during e-week or if people are looking for volunteer opportunities, maybe they need some advice. It'd be good to hear from our members on yeah. some of the things they've done over the years that work. Definitely. Definitely. Because we know that kids often don't know what engineers do, so it's a great way to spread the message about what engineers do and why it's important. So. But they want to know. Yeah. So do this, and you yeah. get to be a rock star for a day. Yes. <laughs> we like rock photos star and cute kids. <laughs> yes. And February is not just for Engineers Week. It is also for NSPE's big event, the Federal Engineer of the Year Award Ceremony, uh, which was held pretty much every year in the National Press Club in D.C., and I was lucky enough to sit down with Dr. Stephen Arndt, who works for the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and he was the 2012 winner of the Federal Engineer of the Year Award. So I got to sit down with him and uh, talk about what FAIA means to him and what we can look forward to this year. Well, thank you, Stephen, for coming in and joining us today. Um, if you can tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and uh, your background. Certainly. I've been um, a federal engineer for uh, 29 years now. I started out my uh, life going to school at Ohio State University. I got an undergraduate in engineering physics, which is a general engineering degree specializing on the detailed aspects of engineering theory. And then uh, took a, a master's in nuclear engineering, and then eventually a doctorate in nuclear engineering, and another master's in reliability engineering. So I pretty much decided that I was going to be in the hardcore nuclear engineering community. And I started out looking for an academic position, and I actually taught for two years at the United States Naval Academy in their engineering program. But I ended up working in the federal government because it was a very interesting position. I was working at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. There was a lot of interesting things going on at the time. And as I did more, I had a lot of opportunities to do interesting things. So I worked in the nuclear power business. I've worked in the uh, education and training part of it. I've looked at the analysis part of the business and also in the uh, development of new regula regulations. So it's been a very interesting career. Well, thanks. That definitely sounds like an interesting path you've taken. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, can you explain a little bit more about why you decided to pursue federal employment, and then maybe what are the advantages if we have some of our younger members listening um, 
you know, what are the advantages that you've gained from working for the, the federal government? I was very fortunate uh, when I was going to graduate school, I had an opportunity to do a, a full-time postdoc or, or internship with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, one of their small specialized branches. That was wonderful opportunity because I got to work with a lot of very interesting people. And then when I, that job was done, I went and taught at the Naval Academy for a little while, which was kind of a hybrid because it's a federal position, but it's, a, it's an academic job. And when I was starting to really think, what do I want to do for a living and how do I want my career to progress, I was weighing whether or not I should go try and go back to academia, whether or not to go to the federal government, go to one of the research laboratories. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to serve the community, the technical community, as well as the public. So I went back to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission after I was at the academy. And I think one of the big advantages that I saw and the reason I probably stayed was the fact that I could pursue as much technical detail and, and, and get as detailed into the technical issues as I wanted. But I could also not worry so much about where the next paycheck was coming from from a consulting or a uh, academic standpoint, it's a wonderful opportunity because you have a mission. Your mission is defined to help the uh, public, to pursue public health and safety. I think one of the greatest advantages, at least for me, in public service, particularly at the federal level, is that mission is there. You have that focus. You can put all your energies into doing a good job, figuring out the best solutions, and not worry so much about what the mission's going to be. In academia, which is wonderful opportunity, but you're always trying to figure out, well, what, what's the next idea I'm going to come up with? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to find, get the funding? How do I do that? In, in consulting, uh, in other things, you have that same challenge, which is fine. That's a, that's a very interesting part of the business. But but in federal uh, service, you have that mission assigned to you. You just have to figure out the best possible way to do it. That's good. It sounds like a sort of a, a great balance of both the stability, but then the ability to um, make it your own in terms of how to Absolutely. proceed with the mission. And I think one of the biggest concerns that a lot of uh, younger engineers have is that they won't have the flexibility or, or the opportunity to be creative. And, and that's really not true. I mean, you have that opportunity. You have your mission, but you have all the opportunities to bring in the best science, the best engineering, creative ideas to try and accomplish that mission. We're going to move on and ask about... Speaking of federal engineers, <laughs> you know, can you give us a little bit of background on the Federal Engineer of the Year Award? Well, as you know, Professional Engineers in Government is our interest group for all government engineers. And that's not just at the federal level, but that's also at the municipal, the regional, and the state level. So this, this award focuses on the federal engineers. And there's more than 2 million federal engineers in the world. Wow. Uh, now, many of them are not licensed because they're not required to be, but many of them are, and this focuses on their work. This is the 38th year of the program, so we've been doing it for quite some time. And the idea is to recognize the service that federal engineers provide to the community. 
I mean, all engineers have it as their creed to hold public health, safety, and welfare above all other considerations. But as a federal engineer, your goal is to enhance the public health and safety as your primary focus in all your work. That's what you're there for. That's your mission. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to recognize the federal engineers for all the outstanding work that they do. And this really is a very unique award. There is no other cross-cutting award by any professional society that focuses on the professional acumen of federal engineers. And it's a very highly respected award in the federal government. Yes, and um, you have an intimate knowledge of that as our 2012 Federal Engineer of the Year Award winner. So maybe you can fill us in a little bit about you know, what it actually means to win or even be nominated for that award and why um, awards like that are so important. Well, I think this particular award, not only is it a prestigious award and it's one given by the Professional Engineering Society, it's very, very meaningful because NSB has the ability, because of the way that it's structured, to hold this up in the public spotlight to show what all federal engineers do. I was asked right after I won the 2012 award, which is a unique ceremony, by the way, for anybody who hasn't been to one of these or hasn't seen one, it's something you really have to see. It's, it's, it's the Oscars of professional engineering <laughs> because it's awarded to each individual at the, the agency level, which is a great honor, and a lot of uh, federal agencies hold that as a very important part of their honors and awards program. In my agency, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, there's only one nominee, and that nominee is recognized both at the ceremony but also internally within this organization. And it's very prestigious within the organization. Then there's the top ten uh, list, which is great because that's another opportunity to pub publicize it. And then at the actual ceremony, the winner is announced live. Right. <laughs> and when I was doing it, my girlfriend was in the audience. She didn't know, but she was going to get proposed to a week later. Ah. Um, and she just jumped out of her chair, and it was it was really fun. But the, the award itself is a important part of NSPE's awards program and the part of a professional society that recognizes the achievement of its members. And it's not just the individuals, it's all the engineers. It recognizes all the achievements that federal service has. Federal Engineers in Government also has several other awards. The Pegasus Award, which is our equivalent for uh, the regional, municipal, state government awards. NSPE also has the NSPE Award and the Distinguished Service Award. I uh, served on the National Honors and Awards Committee for several years, and that is also a wonderful opportunity to provide recognition for all the service that engineers provide to the country, not just the federal engineers or the industrial engineers or the consultants, but the wide group of engineers that really do tremendous service every day. Yes, definitely. And 
are on our awards, and I believe the Pegasus, too, are also awarded at the Professional Engineers Conference, usually in the summertime. Yes, the um, National Conference. Right, so they have a separate little awards ceremony there, too, mm-hmm. as well. So, Well, we are so delighted to have had you here with us today and really appreciate you um, taking the time to fill us in, our listeners in, anyway, on the Federal Engineer of the Year Award. And I will let everyone know, too, that we usually produce a video from the ceremony, um, it's like a highlights reel that uh, we do so you can actually see all of the awesome stuff that goes on. We try and capture that moment where the winner finds out and uh, sort of that Oscars moment that, that Stephen talked about. Uh, so be sure and look for that, usually a couple weeks after the after the ceremony. And the ceremony this year is February 17th, is that right? That's correct. All right. Well, we look forward to um, February 17th. And again, thank you for, for coming in today, Stephen. Thank you very much. Great interview, Stacy. Thanks. It was great having him here. I've covered the Federal Engineer of the Year Award a couple years now, and it's always I'm always so impressed by all of the honorees every year. Yeah, the honorees and the attendees. It's a really, really outstanding event, for sure. So if you have a chance, be sure to look at who is nominated this year and check out some of their histories and stories. It's a great way to get a sense of some of the great things NSPE members are doing. And we always profile them in PE Magazine, too, so you can uh, learn about that and learn about the winner and an upcoming issue of PE. And speaking of awards, while we're on the subject, don't want to forget about our honor awards. Uh, The deadline is coming up on January 31st, and that is for our 2017 honor awards, including the NSPE Award, the Young Engineer of the Year Award, and the Distinguished Service Award. All of those we are taking nominations until the end of this month. So uh, we definitely encourage state societies and members to think about somebody that they could nominate for those. Those are our top three top three big awards. So we want to make sure we have a bunch of good nominees to choose from this year. Yep, send in your names and we'll put the link to the nomination forms on the sh- in the show notes as well. And then get coverage in PE Magazine and throughout the year. Uh, we did an interview uh, with the current uh, Young Engineer of the Year, Jason Stith. Yes, yes, in our last previous podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it was two podcasts ago. Right. <laughs> Seven score and two podcasts ago. <laughs> um, isn't that four? Yeah, I was thinking the same <laughs> four score. But it was seven weeks and uh, six score, uh, okay. past minus the five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, as you can see, Matt is our uh, comic relief here. So we're going to move and to our... And mathematician, <laughs> We're going to move to our fun item uh, that Matt is going to bring us today. We're starting a new segment, and we could use your help with this. Uh, this is going to be reviews of engineering movies or movies that incorporate engineering, TV shows, books, anything along those lines. We don't have a name for this segment yet, so send us your ideas, podcast at nspe.org if you have any thoughts. Our creativity has run dry so far, but we'll keep thinking, and you keep thinking. So Matt is going to talk to us about a Netflix original movie. Yeah, I don't know as as much a review as it is just letting you know about this, but uh, at least I don't feel qualified to do that. All right, discussion, discussion. Discussion, yeah. Take review out of the title. But uh, yeah, so Netflix just released a movie called Spectral that features a protagonist who is a DARPA engineer. The character's name is Mark Klein. But yeah, so that, I think it was originally being developed as a movie, then it wasn't released, and Netflix bought it and released it. 
But essentially, if you're into movies like Aliens or Predator or any of those classic movies, Soldiers versus Monster, <laughs> this is for you. And there's an engineer that kind of brings the fight to the creatures in this movie. The movie begins basically with a soldier being killed off by some, some kind of ghost-like creature that he can only see in his combat goggles. He's wearing these hyper-spectrum goggles or hyper-spectrum goggles or something or other. But from that point, they contact the DARPA engineer who designed the goggles to come and consult. And ah. suddenly he's thrust into this conflict between these unseen creatures and the soldiers. And uh, the movie just sort of takes off from there uh, with the engineer going on a rescue mission, attempting to capture an image, a better image of one of these creatures using a mounted version of the imaging tech that he developed. So yeah, if you're an engineering geek and... Uh, Monsters versus Soldiers Geek. This is for, and I'm both. I can say, don't miss this. So it's pretty good. That sounds and, good. I'm gonna yeah. have to watch it actually. It's entertaining. I'm yeah. gonna watch it again. It's pretty good. Okay. So it's yeah. kind of rare to have an engineer as sort of the oh the main. Yeah, I forgot to mention the montages in the movie set to music are both engineering montages. Oh. So there's two well, montages where nice. Mark Klein gets to work developing <laughs> things to save the day. Huh. Not once. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Very nice. That's pretty cool. So think Rocky and Russia running (laughs) through the snow, but only an engineer with a screwdriver going, yeah. (laughs) Great. And uh, getting more engineers in in pop culture helps, again, uh, get kids interested and engaged and wanting to uh, pursue the field. Yeah. So, yeah, just a reminder, if you are watching, reading, playing, anything sort of new and related to engineering that you think... We should highlight, let us know, we'll take a look at it, and let everybody else know. So that's our January show. Thanks for joining us for the first show of 2017, um, the new year. Remember to send us your resolutions, if you got them, at podcasts at nspe.org, or you can post them on community.nspe.org on our, our community site. You can also email us if you got any other feedback, good or bad. We would love to hear from you, and we'll try not to take it too personally. Yes. <laughs> yes. But please send us your ideas, your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, anything. We want to make sure that um, you guys are listening and that we're providing some good information. And... and don't forget to participate in our new segment on books, movies, whatever. Uh, or throw us a name for it. Yeah. And yeah. if you watch Spectral, write us in and tell us what you thought. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Maybe it. Maybe we can give you yeah, space for your own review. There you go. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pop culture segment. Yes. Right. Well, whatever you resolve this year, uh, we hope you achieve it. And uh, at least, if as the saying goes, if you shoot for the moon and miss, at least you'll end in the stars. So have a great uh, 2017. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.